Hello, welcome. My name is Gina Shear, and you are listening to the Electric Theory Podcast. At Electric Theory, our mission is to empower global pioneers and ignite diversity in thought. We fuel innovation and resilience to enhance people's well-being, help people reach their full potential, and to foster a culture of lifelong learning and growth. Today's guest is the founder and owner of Useful, the first refillery and zero-waste shop in DFW. Useful's purpose is to help customers reduce plastic waste by offering refills of soap, shampoos, lotions, and more. Plastic pollution is one of the biggest crises humanity is facing, and it was Adriana's own sustainability journey that led her to starting Useful when she didn't find it anywhere in Dallas to refill her own everyday essentials. She is a firm believer that all entities, including businesses, have an obligation to protect this planet that we all share. She was born and raised in Ecuador. It was this beautiful country, this natural wonder that awoke in her passion to take care of the environment. She holds an MBA from the University of Maryland, and her professional path has crossed various industries and functions, including marketing, operations, and strategy. She has worked at family businesses, at various nonprofits, and at Dallas-based corporations. Starting Useful is a combination of Adriana's dream to run a business and bring positive impact to the world. And she is passionate about helping people and businesses become better stewards of the earth. Please give it up for Adriana Cow. We have 24 hours a day. Organize your day. Work hard. I'm here to talk about success. Thank you so much, Adriana, for being with us. I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you so much, Gina. I'm excited to be here. I am so thrilled to be able to interview you. You're someone that I've actually wanted to interview for a while. And last week we had done kind of part one of sustainability with David. And I knew that I wanted to get your take on sustainability as part two because you cover a whole different realm of sustainability. And I'd love to walk through your story and get a background of how you got started into useful. So if you don't mind... Go ahead and just share about yourself and how you got started and how you developed the first refillery in Dallas. Yeah, thank you so much, Gina, and thank you for having me, but also thank you for continuing to bring sustainability to the forefront for people to learn about and talk about. I'll I'll tell you a story that I don't often share with people about my origin story, so to say. I want to hear it. When I was a little girl... My family and a, a group of our, like a big group of family friends, we went to the Galapagos Islands. And that was my first trip to the Galapagos Islands, which is part of Ecuador, which is where I was yeah. born and raised. And it's, a, as you can imagine, just a very uh, beautiful, pristine set of islands with very unique animals and fauna and flora and landscape. And one of the things that I remember very clearly the guy telling us is he said don't please don't take any shells or sand from our beaches because we get so many tourists and if everybody grabs a handful we would have no beaches in 25 years and i took that very seriously and learned a lot about the animals there the big tortoises and it was amazing and i think that was probably one of the first times that i remember 
being really interested in not just、um, animals, but in our environment and how humans shape、right. um, our environment. And I feel that it probably awakened like my love of nature. Yeah. And when I came back from that trip, I went to one of the friends' house who had gone with us on the trip, and they had a very pretty fish tank, and I saw some really pretty shells in there. And I asked my friend, "Hey, where'd you get these shells?" And <laughs> the mom said very nonchalantly, "Oh, from the Galapagos Islands, from the beaches." <laughs> and I remember being so livid as a little, I don't know, ten-year-old or something like, "But you weren't supposed to take any, didn't you?" Hear the guy. <laughs> were they on the same trip with you? Yes,、okay. yeah, we were all on the same trip. Okay.、Yeah. And it just really angered me that they had no. Respect for nature, and so I think that is maybe the earliest I can remember feeling this passion for environment. Yeah, and throughout my life, I think I I didn't grow up in a very environmentally conscious family, so、mm-hmm. it, it it didn't really come from my family, even though、uh, they weren't precisely wasteful, but it wasn't there wasn't a whole lot of awareness. But as I grew up and I. Went to college and started working. I don't know. Just that journey really started taking shape for me in the form of reducing, for example, plastic straws. And I just、yeah. stopped using plastic straws many years ago and becoming aware of, in particular, the impact of plastic waste. Yeah. And I read about landfills and about how plastic stays around in our environment for hundreds of years. And when I worked in the corporate environment, I joined my company's environmental groups,、mm. and we they launched composting and that kind of stuff. And in fact, my colleagues used to call me the、uh, recycling Nazi. <laughs> I would literally go around the different bins. They would be placed in the office. That it was a big office in various spots, and I'd look at it. And if something was placed in the wrong bin, I turn around and be like, "Who put this in here?" Move it to the correct bin so you get recycled <laughs> properly. I yeah, and you know what? It did make a difference. Like people would literally say they would look if I was around and then think about where what they were tossing things. But yeah, that's just one kind of small aspect. And、um, so I moved to Dallas、um, uh, six, seven years ago now. And、uh, from had, Ecuador?、Uh, no, I'm not from Ecuador. I had been working. In the LA area、okay. at that time, yeah, I um I moved to from Ecuador to the states many years ago, like、uh, almost twenty years ago, and I had lived and worked in various parts of the U.S. So I moved from LA, and I really wanted to continue my sustainability journey, and I started composting, which、okay. is something that we've talked about. Yeah, and I really wanted to reduce my even more my plastic waste. I had stopped using straws. I took my own bags to the grocery store. I took my own utensils, so think things like 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 the to go part, right? And I thought, what else can I do? Like I, I looked at my home, and I realized that all these plastic bottles, shampoo and soap and lotion, and I thought I had an I had an idea that there were services where you can go and refill your soap and shampoo bottles, and I don't know when exactly I became aware of that, but I know there's a lot of them in the California and the LA area. Yeah. And when I came here to Dallas, I was like, okay, I'm gonna start composting. Like, very happy about that. And I looked for a place where I could refill,、mm-hmm. and I didn't find it easily. And and I felt like that Dallas is not a small area.、Right. I feel like other people should be looking for this too. And、right. I talked to some colleagues at the time, and I felt like there might be a need for this. And during the pandemic, having more time on my hands and having the flexibility of working from home. I decided to roll up my sleeves and start useful. I love it. <laughs>
I was just talking to someone the other day, and they're from Australia, mm. and I had mentioned useful in your business, and they were shocked. They were like, that's the only one in Dallas? They were saying the same thing. They're like, in Australia, they're on every street corner. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I didn't know it existed until I met Adriana, <laughs> and I didn't know that was a thing, and I've grown up in Dallas. I'm glad that it took you to be able to figure out what we were lacking and then roll up your sleeves, like you said, and actually made that happen. Thank you for doing that. You've mentioned plastic waste several times. And do you know what those actual statistics are in in the U.S. alone of how much plastic waste that we actually Mm. have as Americans? And Mm. can you paint a picture of what that actually looks like in a mm. room. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. That's a great way of putting of giving a, a context for it. If I'm not remembering wrong, I did a presentation a few months ago and I think the average American person mm. produces somewhere in the vicinity of 8 pounds of plastic per year. Now that's too little. I'd have to go back and check the statistic, but yeah. there is a number of what the average is. Right. I will tell you in context, the average American produces a lot more plastic than the average person in X country. Yeah. And that's developed countries. There's a few countries that kind of like rival the U.S. Uh, per capita plastic uh, mm-hmm. production. And those are like the U.K., Japan is a, is a big kind of culprit here. But we produce just an inordinate amount of plastic. Yeah. And the thing is that plastic, as much as we've talked about recycling and companies and organizations that have pushed us to recycle, recycling is not the, it's really not the solution because plastic, it's not made to be recycled. Right. So you can't recycle plastic more than like twice. Right. Like eventually it ends up as trash. Right. And so it's not, it's not the solution people think. Yeah. And on top of that, the recycling rates around the world for the last like 50 years has stagnated at around 10%, something like that. Wow. And that's because it's very hard to recycle plastic and it's Mm -hmm. very expensive and it takes a lot of resources. And if you don't find use for that recycled plastic, people just won't do it. So there's a lot of reasons, but that's like the gist of why recycling isn't the, the solution. And I really stress that when I talk to people because... We've been so brainwashed to think that recycling works that yeah. I really need to bring it up and tell people that it doesn't. We have, I would really say, a plastic crisis right now. Uh, the, the ocean in another five years is going to have more plastic than fish. So that just to give you an idea of how, how, much, how, uh, how much plastic there is in the world. Do you mind also painting a picture of that? Um, because even this concept is like a little hard for me to grasp, mm. and I've been diving way deeper in the last year into sustainability mm. than my any years prior. Mm. How does what is the process of that recycling going from maybe a landfill where it was dropped mm. off mm. into the ocean? Like mm. what is that process of how it actually gets into the ocean? That's also a great question because we uh, in the, in this country where we have fairly good um, waste management infrastructure, we think I throw my uh, plastic in the trash why right. does it end up in the ocean so yes so um in the u.s more or less let's say that about probably about 60 percent of trash overall is correctly handled and, mm-hmm. and they end up in landfill but that means that there's a good 40 percent that isn't so it is littering but it's also mishandled trash so yeah. you do have trash that just if, if, if it's dropped if it's not picked up if it's the the facility doesn't have good infrastructure 
when it rains, think of rains, that carries everything ends up flowing into some body of water. Yeah. Whether it's the little the little uh, stream, and then right. the stream flows into the river, and then the river flows into the ocean. So that's how we end up with so much trash. And the other reason why there is so much trash in the ocean is because we send a lot of our plastic trash to other countries that don't have good waste management infrastructure. They can't even deal with their own trash, but we're shipping this stuff to them and so that they that ends up a lot of it a lot of it just ends up literally thrown into bodies of water or left in non-managed dumps mm-hmm. okay landfills and dumps we use them synonymously but they're not so like non-managed waste fields or dumps and when it rains again that ends up in, in the yeah. ocean. Mm-hmm. and what's the damage of that happening for those that don't know, some people would be like, oh, it's just a plastic bottle mm-hmm. living in the water that's yeah. not harming anything. What does that actually yeah. harm? Yeah, plastic is made from chemicals and it's made uh, from oil. Okay, so the, the main component is oil. And it, it has a ton of probably like thousands, not probably, but for sure. It has each plastic piece has thousands of plastic components. So there's a few harms that comes from that. So one is that when plastic is in any kind of environment, it leaches chemicals, whether it's in your food. So I tell people, don't microwave food in plastic Mm -hmm. or in the ocean. And in any kind of uh, water, you have this kind of degradation. It bumps up against things and it sheds microplastic. So think about all those chemicals being ingested by wildlife. And guess what? We ultimately ingest a lot of that wildlife, those seafood, right? So for one, it's poisoning us in a way that we are not even fully aware of because plastic has really only been around since the last, since massively since World War II, so like 1950s on. So we don't even know the full extent of the chemical and the kind of like the health harm for us. The other thing, though, is plastic in the environment, whether in the sea or even in parts or anywhere, think of anywhere, a lot of animals don't recognize that because it's not a natural thing that they've been evolved to recognize. So they eat a lot of plastic Mm. and it basically kills them from starvation. And there's been uh, news stories of whales and birds found dead and then they um, do a a necropsy, which is an autopsy for animals, and they find all this plastic in their stomach. And it's not just sea life. I just saw an article this morning, just this morning, there was a... I think it was a bear that had died and and they found like all this plastic trash in the stomach. It it affects plastic trash affects every single life form on this yeah. planet. Yeah. That's literally disgusting. Like I'm sitting here thinking how much product that I buy out of a plastic container or just like storing in plastic container, whatever, like how much plastic is around you without you really being concerned by it. Mm-hmm. And so how would you say that we can help me personally? How can I be an advocate Mm. to corporate companies to be able to get rid of not only just like plastic waste and Mm. having them properly dispose of that, Mm. but then also repackaging their items? I know it's more expensive to package in glass or in aluminum that can be recycled indefinitely, whatever it is. How can we be an advocate to Mm. corporate Mm. and start repackaging Yeah, I, I, I love that you asked that because, yes, it does require, it will require all of us 
to take action. And the first thing I want to tell you and remind myself as well as tell our audience is to not lose hope and not become catatonic with the sheer size of this problem. It's easy to lose hope. And I'll admit that there are days that I'm just like, if it's hopeless, but it's not. And there are positive changes being made. So the first thing I would say is we do want to start with our individual actions. Start at home. Mm-hmm. Things like reducing your own plastic production mm-hmm. and even being aware of it. Yeah, That's not to say you're going to cut out plastic entirely. You can't. There are just things that you don't have an option because if you buy, let's say, frozen X right. Costco stuff. Right. I buy a Costco. It's going to be in plastic. Don't beat yourself up yeah. for the places where you do not have control. Mm-hmm. But do take action in the places where you do have control. Again, that's like refusing the plastic utensils out there. Bring your own. It really is not that hard. We bring. We remember our phones everywhere. Take it to the bathroom, to everyone. You can make a habit of bringing your own bags, your reusable bag, reusable water bottle, your utensils, yeah. your straw. It, it becomes a habit and it's not a chore anymore. Right. It's, um, so that's one way. Um, another way is find little uh, uh, things in your life that you can reduce plastic. So again, um, I try to buy uh, naked veggies and fruits as much as possible instead of the prepackaged. Right. There's really no reason why avocado should be packaged in plastic. It right. already has a shell to protect it. What do you yeah. think that has a shell? And then I, to the extent that I can, I'll buy glass containers. Like mm-hmm. they, they do now sell glass juice or like ketchup mm-hmm. or mustard in glass container. Yeah. yeah. So those are little ways. But of course, it also takes systemic change. And this yeah. is another way where we can enact changes. But tell your politicians, tell your, when you vote, ask them what they're doing on plastic pollution. When you, uh, if you write or you call your local politician and also support legislation. So I know that last year there was legislation to phase out a single-use plastic. Okay. And, and this was in Dallas? Or? It was actually on the federal level. Okay. So it was legislations introduced into the, I think, the House of Representatives and okay. the Senate. It, I don't think it went very far because, as you can imagine, that's uh, it's just an uphill battle, right? So I don't think that went anywhere. But there has been legislation introduced, support that kind of le- legislation, whether it's, again, emailing your representative saying, hey, I support this, or, again, posting on social media. I'm not saying that you have to, anybody has to be a anti-plastic person 24-7, but there's a lot of ways in our lives, little ways that really add up. That's what I would encourage people to do is right now, just start with one thing. Yeah, I know that's something that we've talked about, and I really wasn't that conscious about the plastic waste that I was using until I had met you, and so obviously you're an advocate for good in that area, and I was able to focus on just one thing and then took the next step, so that was first switching out my all-purpose cleaner, whatever, at your refillery, mm-hmm. and then switching over to using, like, a, a water bottle that mm-hmm. could be just recycled indefinitely, yeah. <laughs> essentially, instead of using plastic water bottles. and yeah. Well, getting... reused in this case. Right, yeah. exactly. Uh-huh. And I love that. So... Yeah. I, I love the journey you've had because it, it, it shows how taking one step, one positive step, that you make it a habit that then that leads to other positive steps. So yeah. I, I always tell people your journey because then, then you become aware of like you composted your uh, pumpkin, which mm-hmm. isn't plastic related, but it is waste related. And then right. you even started looking into your makeup. I think though that's a very encouraging 
story of how somebody can really move their life away from not away but reducing waste and becoming more aware. Yeah. 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 And with that being said, can you explain your refillery to people that don't know? Because mm-hmm. especially in Dallas, if mm-hmm. they haven't met you, yes. they probably are completely unfamiliar with what a refillery is in general, yes. unless they've yeah. lived other places that offer them. Yeah. So what does that look like for our listeners? Yeah. So the uh, refillery is somewhere where you can bring your own bottles, uh, whether it's plastic or not. And you can refill with uh, everyday essentials uh, such as soap, shampoo, lotion, uh, conditioner, everything that you uh, uh, buy at the store now that comes in a plastic, for the most part, in a plastic bottle. And the interesting thing is these kind of quote-unquote refill places, actually it's not a new concept. This Mm -hmm. existed. Somebody told me like their grandparents used to go to this. So like think of like 50s, 60s, 70s because back before plastic was so incredibly pervasive in our society. People used glass, people refilled, mm-hmm. people reused. We're really just bringing back a good format. Yeah. And so people at my refillery can fill most of the household essentials, personal household essentials that we use the most at home. So in addition to like soap, shampoo, conditioner, body lotion, there's body wash, there's face wash, there's all-purpose cleaner. A hand soap, dish soap, Castile soaps. That's another great way to reduce yeah. plastic. Yeah, like I, I counted when I started this my business, I would go through probably 120 bottles a year. Wow. Just of, yeah, lotion and soap just and whatever. Right? Yeah, just everything. Yeah. Wow. And so think of 120. Yeah, in the grand scheme of things, is not a lot, but think of the next. 30, 40, I don't know how many sure. years I'm still going to live in this world. It, it really adds up. And again, and you're just not, one person. Yeah, me and then my neighbor and then you and then my next refill client. So that's a good way of, again, reusing and, and reducing the plastic trash we're throwing in the environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And can you explain to the listeners what the actual process of that? You said mm-hmm. you bring your own bottles. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so everything is uh, by weight. All mm-hmm. the products are priced by weight. And we weigh your bottle first. We tear it so you don't uh, pay for the uh, weight of your bottle. And then you can refill. And one of the great things about refilling is you can get as much or as little as you like. Mm-hmm. So you're not stuck with the amount that the company forces sure. you to buy. So if you just want to try a little bit or you don't use as much, let's say, conditioner versus right. shampoo, you can get just half a bottle of conditioner. Yeah. And then we weigh it again. Um, I'll take away the weight of the bottle and you pay only for what you refilled. Yeah. yeah. I love that's that. How it works. And where do you source your products from? What's mm-hmm. the benefit of buying your products than yeah. going to the store, obviously, outside of the plastic waste, mm-hmm. what is the benefit of the actual product the actual themselves? Product. Yeah, that's a great question. I take a lot of care and I do a lot of research sourcing my products with other small makers. So obviously not the PNGs of the world, but there's yeah. a lot of other companies that uh, make these uh, personal and home care products, both in Texas and, and elsewhere in the U.S., So I do a lot of research and make sure that the company that I'm going to work with has uses really high quality ingredient, but also Mm -hmm. that the products align with the ethos of my company. Mm -hmm. Example, they're cruelty free. They're all vegan. They're free of harsh chemicals like parabens and phthalates. Yeah. I do a lot of that legwork so that my customer knows that they're getting a really high quality product. That is not second to anything they get in the market yeah. and at a very reasonable price. Because one of the things I wanted to do when I started my company is to make sustainability accessible to people. Yeah. And in some places and in some circles, 
sustainability started or it got on this trend of being the new pricey thing. And I don't want it to be like that. I, I don't want people to be priced out of switching to a more sustainable option. Yeah, I can completely attest to that. And I will say, based off of my own story, I what made me switch the major element and just make my daily mm-hmm. use was one day I was cleaning my shower with a name brand mm-hmm. cleaner or whatever. And I'm like in a confined space cleaning my glass shower door. And I'm just like spraying it. And all of a sudden I'm like coughing repetitively and like couldn't breathe. And I'm in this confined glass shower space. And I was like, okay, this is an issue. If my body is what I'm supposed to be cleaning, my body's rejecting it. I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's cleaning. And so then I switch it over to your cleaner products and I've never had that issue since. Yeah. <laughs> so. Thank you. And yeah, and that's a really good point, Gina, is that we need to listen to our bodies. You yeah. Know? And we've, in this busy modern world, sometimes we've become a little bit out of touch with our own bodies. But yes, sure. if something causes you skin irritation, mm-hmm. if something causes you to like hack and cough, that product probably has a lot of chemicals that are right. too harsh or toxic. But yeah, there's unfortunately a lot of products out there that fall in that category. And yeah. my products are not in that category. Yes, I've yeah. definitely noticed. Thank you. Switching gears a little bit, this is something that we had I had asked you about how can we get corporate companies to mm. address their plastic waste and be an advocate for good in that area, but also us in the corporate space, how can we at our workplaces make a difference Mm. in sustainability Mm -hmm. like in our everyday practices at work what are things that we should be doing or be conscious of practicing Mm -hmm. on a daily basis to Mm -hmm. help those around us yeah I think what I would say is a lot of the things that I mentioned earlier that we can do on a personal level we can also take that to work and then Mm -hmm. bring that to the leadership in our work for example when I I worked in LA that place of work, they didn't provide disposable coffee cups. Okay. They encouraged you to bring your own. And they had a few like mugs that you could mm-hmm. use if somebody forgot. That's a really great way to encourage people to bring their own. Same with like water. They just right. didn't give any disposable cups. So if your place of work is providing all this disposable stuff, maybe you can talk to your colleagues and say, hey, bring your own. And that's what I did. I had a, I had a colleague here in Dallas who sat a little bit farther from the kitchen okay so she sat on the other end but this is an office where it's walkable we're not talking about like a 10 minute walk to the kitchen yeah but every time she went to the kitchen she would grab a new plastic cup to get water and and, uh, she was a colleague that I got to know uh, close enough where Mm -hmm. I did mention it one day I'm like why don't you just use one cup and she's oh because I forget when I go to the kitchen I forget and I I don't want to go back and I'm like you're not that far yeah and she's yeah but I'm like but look at all these cups yeah and eventually she started bringing her own mug there you go yeah for water and then when she did that I was so happy I like hugged her I was like a proud mom I was like I'm so happy I'm so proud so don't it's not about making people feel guilty and admonish people yeah but it is bringing awareness letting people know that this, this, what they're doing, creating so much waste, has a very real effect in our mm-hmm. world. So I would say, and I did talk to somebody at that time in my workplace, like how could we transition away from from disposables? And I don't know if it happened because I left before that happened and during the pandemic, people weren't in the office anymore. So that right. issue became moot. Moot, sorry. And But that's one way. So in your place of work, if you own the business, think about ways, areas where you can 
reduced plastic. And a lot of times is the disposable. So disposables out of all like the plastic waste that we produce like, yeah. in general as a society, disposables and packaging account for about 40%. So wow. that's a really large percentage. It's um, a lot. Yeah. And those things are usually used once or twice a few minutes and then they're discarded. So right. that's one way that I really encourage people to think about disposables. So again, in your place of work, bring your own mug, bring your own utensils, bring your own like containers to whether it's a cafeteria or whatever. In some places, they might let you bring your own clean container and, and use that. And talk to your leaders. For a business, they respond to a few things, right? Yes, they respond to customer pressure, but sometimes that doesn't go very far because um uh, say I can't think of a good example but like a customer could pressure a business and say hey look I don't like that you guys are producing all that right. but I'm just one customer out of x number thousands um, that they have but internally they are I think they would be more responsive to employees mm-hmm. because employees are part of their company and making their company work so if yeah. there are employees who are concerned who voice that concern I think it makes a difference yeah mm-hmm. absolutely Speak your voice. You never know what could what good can come out from that. Yeah. Do you know of what would you recommend as far as sustainable products that can instead of using plastic, what are other mm-hmm. good solutions mm-hmm. outside of just grocery bags? Other things to like, what's a better solution to use? And then also, you're talking about grocery stores and such of that. What grocery stores do you see that are making those positive mm-hmm. changes? Mm-hmm. Let me answer that first. Actually, Sprouts this year, somewhere like in the summer, they the plastic started, bags. Yeah, I've noticed that program where they are charging for plastic bag mm-hmm. and they're encouraging you to bring your own for their bulk section, their grains and nuts and stuff. They have a they have stickers that say, hey, "Oh, yeah. I haven't seen that yet." Yeah, but I have it's... noticed the ones like at the register. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they give you a more sturdy plastic bag, mm-hmm. and they encourage you to reuse that. Yeah, as far as Grocery stores, I really like that Sprouts has started doing yeah. that. And again, it's not a perfect solution, but we don't have to be perfect in order right. to make progress. Right. Whole Foods has for many years used uh, paper. Mm-hmm. And paper is, in general, a little better. But the thing is, if you just throw out that paper bag each time after mm-hmm. you use it once, it's still a lot of waste. Like maybe it doesn't poison the water waste quite as much or it doesn't poison the landfill but it's still just waste cumulatively a lot yeah so again paper is i would say a little bit better it's more it's compostable yeah bags are compostable so i think the one of the mindsets that i would encourage people to think about is not just is not just what is a better alternative yes that's definitely step one Mm -hmm. but the second step is how can i dispose of this trash in the most sustainable and responsible way I can. Yeah. Let me give you an example. Glass, in general, I would say is more sustainable, but only because you can reuse glass much easier. It's easier to clean, all that. And it's also infinitely recyclable, mm-hmm. right? Unlike plastic. Plastic, you cannot recycle it more than like twice. Glass is better only because it's infinitely recyclable. But if you don't clean it and recycle that, it still takes thousands of years to break down, and it's just another piece of trash out there. Sure. So it's when I've, I try, when I like need to buy something, I think about can I dispose this in a responsible way? Sometimes I don't have an option but to toss it, right? Or recycle it, which is my last resort. But it's can you recycle this in right. a responsible way? And again, metal is one of those too, right? 
So it's yes, it's important to transition away from plastic, but it's also important to transition into reusing、mm-hmm. and recycling responsibly. And talking about recycling, how do you know like how to properly recycle? Myself, I'm given when I. Purchase or rent a house out of the city of Dallas. I get my trash and trash and recycling set up.、Mm-hmm. There's not instructions that come with it to say,、yeah. "Hey, you can recycle this. You can't recycle this. Throw this away. Make sure you properly recycle this way." So, how is someone supposed to know? This is still something I don't fully know.、Mm-hmm. What is the proper way to recycle?、Mm. What can I and can I not recycle? And how do I? How well do I need to clean those items out? What's the proper、mm-hmm. manner of that?、Mm. You bring out a really good point, Gina. You're right. There's no instructions. Like when we get a new machine, there's instructions on how to use it. And you're right. How are people supposed to know? And again, this goes to why recycling in general doesn't work. Yeah. So the city of Dallas does provide a recycling service. I don't know、um, how efficient it is and how well they do it. What what I found personally that has worked for me. Is I use a service here in Dallas called Recycle Revolution. So they are a one-stop shop for to drop off recycling items, and they、mm-hmm. take and it's in,、uh, more than just paper, plastic, aluminum. They also take what we call hard-to-recycle items. So think of batteries,、right. think of light bulbs, think of your electronics. Those things have a lot of some things have value, like the electronics have valuable. Minerals on them that that could be reused, and also、oh. if you leave it in landfill, they leach toxic chemicals. It's actually e-waste is a really big problem. But anyway, so they are a service、um, here in Dallas, and they service companies,、um, mm-hmm. uh, and they also allow、um, uh, individuals to come to their site and drop off their recycling for free. So、um, I do that about once a month.、Um, I collect my recycling and I go there. Yes, it's not the most convenient thing to do, but they recycle responsibly, and I know that what I take to them is going to be recycled. Actually, recycled responsibly、yeah. because honestly, I don't trust my neighbors to clean out their recycling properly. So、right. what I'll tell you is, clean things out so they don't have obvious residues on them. Yeah, like they don't have to be. Clean, right? But do wash it because the idea is think of the recycling process in general. The recycling process is when they get something, they break that material down, right? Shred it or they break it. So glass or aluminum, even paper and then plastic, is they shred it and then they like wash it,、mm-hmm. and then it goes into a chemical process or some kind of firing process to reconstitute it. Yeah.、Right? So if something is、um, really dirty, it contaminates that whole process. Okay. So、right. I would say give it a good wash, soap it, give it a rinse, and then recycle it. I don't trust that my neighbors are doing that,、mm-hmm. and because I do take the time to wash my recycling, I don't want my efforts to be wasted, which is why I prefer to take it to Recycle Revolution. That makes sense. Yeah. Because、mm-hmm. if someone's not properly cleaning. Their stuff, they're、yeah. probably throwing that all into a landfill、exactly. versus actually recycling. Exactly.、It. Yes, and actually, recycling operations do this. If they find like maybe an X percentage, they must have a threshold. But if they find an X percentage of of the recycling items that are that are too dirty,、mm-hmm. um, they'll throw the whole thing into landfill. And so, again, we think we're recycling. You're just fooling yourself. Yeah. If you truly want. Things to be recycled, especially things like aluminum glass, are are so useful. Yeah, and we're running out of those materials literally from our earth. We're、yeah. running out of sand to make glass. 
recycle them with a place that you know will do a good job of that. So sure. Dallas is Recycle Revolution. So for the people that don't live in Dallas or maybe aren't going to take the time to do mm-hmm. that, that's a great effort. Maybe they're just not there. Mm-hmm. Is it better to put your items that you do properly wash and take care of to manage to put them in a plastic bag in the recycling to um, keep them separated? You know what? Whether to put recycling items in a bag or loose, that really depends on your jurisdiction. I've read of places where they don't want your recycling items in a bag mm-hmm. because they don't maybe they don't have the machine or the process to rip the bag open and dump it out. Okay. So that so check your local jurisdiction. Okay. And, and and again, it's a process. It's a learning process. Yeah. You, know, you might not initially know. How, but check your local jurisdiction. Dallas does have a page for recycling, and it's call them or email them. Um, also, the other thing is for glass and aluminum. There are the aluminum. Aluminum. Sorry, <laughs> such That's a big word. word. <laughs> yeah, there are or metal, for example. There are companies even in 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 and around Dallas that take just that. Mm. It's just that they're not a one one stop shop. Yeah, I've taken, I've had some like metal things that broke and like I took it specifically to the metal place after Googling and searching for it. Um, So, so yes, it does, it does take effort. I I will say that it it, it takes effort. Um, But I also remind people that we, um, yes, we are so, so used to convenience, um, but there's a point at which it we we're, we're buying convenience, temporary convenience, yeah. at the expense of our health and the health of our planet. Yeah. So yes, it takes a little bit more work, but um, figure out your local jurisdiction. Um, try to find out, call them, and say, hey, how well are you recycling? Mm. You find out that most of the recycling is contaminated. Maybe find another solution. Yeah. And if there isn't, there are some places where people live where there just isn't then just responsibly bag it up and let through it. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes that's a problem is we if we don't have enough infrastructure to deal uh, with our waste mm-hmm. responsibly, then yes, I mean, we're going to uh, just landfill things and then become like the planet in Wally. We're just going to yeah. be... Uh, Stuck around uh, trash. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah. This is something we haven't really touched based on, but what about clothing? This oh, is something... man, clothing. Clothing is a whole other area. It's a huge, very complex mm. issue because uh, most textile is not easy to recycle. Yeah, it's just yeah, it's just not easy to like recycle textile. Yeah. So again, clothing is one area that I would encourage people to think about buying less and buying better, as opposed better to quality. better quality, correct? Okay. Things that will last you. So you use it a lot more before tossing it Yeah. instead of just saying, oh, I'll buy this thing that's really cheap and use it once or twice and then um, throw it away yeah. or quote unquote donate it. A lot, I don't have statistics, but a lot of things that we in, 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 in the U.S. donate either actually ends up in landfill or it it ends up in in places where it's not really doing much good. Right. So think of maybe a community that, the local business people can't sell clothing because they're getting a massive influx of used clothing yeah. from outside. Yeah. It doesn't, our 
ideally we'd like to think my used clothing can go to somebody who needs it right ex whether here or somewhere else it, it doesn't usually happen that way yeah yeah clothing is practically non-recyclable practically you can downcycle it into maybe rags or shreds right. and the shreds are made into something else. Maybe they're filling for couch or whatever. Yeah. You know. But it's, it's, yeah, it's really an area where I highly encourage people to buy less and buy better. And are there brands that you maybe know, use yourself, that really mm -hmm. stand out to you that are making a big impact mm -hmm. with recycled cotton or yeah. different sustainability aspects that are doing mm. a really good job i would say the so i i try to uh, buy only what i need mm -hmm. and i try to buy secondhand clothing sure these days and uh, since i don't work in a corporate office anymore i find that i don't really need a lot of clothing yeah so <clears throat> i haven't made a lot of clothing purchases in the last three four years yeah but i think as far as a clothing company that i think is doing what they can and doing better by the planet is Patagonia. So okay. they have a, various lines in their clothing that they use recycled material. Oh, cool. And they are making strides in uh, making their supply chain more sustainable, making their own operations more sustainable. The store here in Dallas, yeah. uh, that's in Deep Ellum, they buy the soaps from me. Oh, so wow. they're refilling cool. their, their own soaps in their employee lounge. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, big and little things that they're doing that I think is a, a model for how companies can operate more sustainably. Mm -hmm. But as far as like a brand that is like super, super good, I would just say buy good quality stuff. I will yeah. say don't buy the cheap crap. Sheen and H&M and Sada, all these what we call fast, fast fashion Fetch. companies, yeah. they make their stuff low quality right so of course if it breaks if it tears whatever you have to buy a new one so they do it on purpose so that mm -hmm. they can sell you more stuff mm -hmm. and that is absolutely not sustainable there's yeah. no way i don't care what h&m says that they're doing sustainability their model is just not sustainable you cannot produce millions and millions of of designs and items and then say you're being sustainable yeah yeah obviously that's going to show face here eventually. Yeah. That's crazy. All right. We're going to jump into the jar question. Okay, cool. So our last guest left you a question in this jar, and it is the seafoam green kind of on top. That's uh -huh. the, okay. that is the, the color. Of the, this one up, yeah. Yes. And I love that it's a glass jar. It is a glass jar. This one, right? Yes. Okay. All right. So you don't mind reading that and then answering it to the best of your ability. Okay, the question is, name two things about you other people would say about you that is different from how you describe yourself. I think I, I will say this. I know that I can, again, I can come across as very blunt. And so sometimes people take that as being maybe rude or, or unthoughtful. And that has happened in my career. Yeah. And I've been made aware of that and I've tried to work on that. And the truth is I'm not. I'm, I think I'm very caring. Yeah. But yes, I am. I can be very blunt and that can come across. That can come out in the wrong way. So yeah. Still something that I'm working on. Yes. 
I agree with that in my own sense as well. I have the same gift and or curse, depending on how you're, <laughs> depending on how you're looking at it. Mm-hmm. Adriana, thank you so much for joining us. I am absolutely thrilled for this conversation to go out to our listeners and to th- for them to be able to get so many nuggets of their own sustainability aspect and hopes that they can really use it in their own life and be able to use these practical steps to be able to help them be more conscious and help them share with their neighbors so that we really can have a beautiful earth for our grandkids and for their kids. Yeah. Thank you, Gina. It's always a pleasure talking with you. I love your questions and how you help move the conversation along. Um, I've really enjoyed this and I do hope that what we've discussed today will be um, a helpful reminder, but also a little push to action for people that do what's healthy for them, but also for the planet. Yes, I agree. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gina. It was another good day. We had another good day. And if you line up enough good days, fuck around, have a good life.